Welcome to the Confidently Me with CC podcast. I'm your host and hype queen, CC. My purpose is to empower you to discover your most authentic self and find confidence in every ounce of what makes you, you. Tune in on Tuesdays to experience reality unfiltered as we break down the crazy norms and expectations we've been conditioned to believe our entire lives. All while learning how to discover your true self and live a happier, more fulfilled life being confidently you. Let's do this, fam. Hello, hello, pod fam. What is up? Uh, Happy Tuesday to you today, and welcome to today's episode of Confidently Me with Cece. It's never going to get old, fam. Okay, so today's episode is a really good one. I've been super excited about it. Um, It kind of stems from the last episode, if you got a chance to listen to that, but you don't need to have listened to that episode in order for this one to resonate, I would say. Um, So this episode is three anti-confidence red flags and how to spot them. So we're going to do a little intro. I'm going to do my little moody mic drop for you. And then we're going to get into these three anti-confidence red flags and we'll drop this week's pro tip, which I'm just super excited about it all. I think this episode's a game changer. Also, I'm going to say this later again, but anti-confidence red flags, I call ACRFs. So get ready for a lot of ACRF drops. But For my moody mic drop, today my moody mic drop is yellow um, in honor of watching How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days with my 13-year-old cousin Um, because there's this TikTok trend that's like the Benny boo 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 sound. um, Which is just funny, my my 13-year-old cousin, like she's literally in eighth grade and like had never seen how to lose a guy in 10 days, but like really, really knows that TikTok sound. So um, we were actually on the plane flying back from Ocala this weekend, uh, where I, uh, a bunch of me and my cousins went down to visit our other cousins. It was just a big cousins weekend um, down in horse country, Ocala, Florida, where we were visiting my cousin, who's an Olympic horseback rider, and uh, his wife, who's like also a professional horseback rider, pre-Olympic level. Uh, we were going to visit them down at their ranch, is what we were calling it, a farm ranch. But anyway, on the plane flight home, that's when we watched How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, because we were on the plane, we saw it there, and my cousin Liv and I hit play at the same time and literally watch the whole movie at the same time on the flight. So that was really fun. This mic is in honor of Kate Hudson's dress in How to Lose a Guy with 10 Days. So coming out hot from a really, really good weekend, feeling better than I was doing. I got to say, though, I'm really, really grateful to have this cousin squad in my life. We're all really close. We all come from my dad's side. My dad is one of four siblings. Um, And so everybody has like two or three kids or so. And uh, it's just nice that like we're all close and we're all pretty close in age uh, where we can just do a weekend all together and just have a lot of laughs and inside jokes and just like make fun of being a canon. Uh, this was my yeah dad's canon side, that whole shebang. Also kind of funny about that, it was 40 degrees all weekend. So we were in Florida, like riding horses, doing all that thing, but it was literally colder than it was up in New York. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, but you know, we had a really, really great time anyway. So to get into today's main episode topic, uh, we're talking about anti-confidence red flags, ACRFs. Now, what is an anti-confidence red flag? So ACRFs should be thought of as potential deal breakers for you and your confidence journey. So again, it's like dating where we point out red flags when 
things that could make or break you getting into a long-term relationship with that person exist. Uh, These are the things that will make or break you being able to become the most confident version of yourself ever. On to our first anti-confidence red flag. Uh, Anti-confidence red flag, ACRF number one, that damn hater voice in our head. Mm. We all know it. It's like we've been bred to look in the mirror and just hate ourselves. Uh, This is the voice that tells us we're not good enough. You know, good enough as in good enough, pretty enough, thin enough, smart enough, or that we're too something bad. You know, we're too... fat, we're too ugly, we're too dumb, we're too weak or weird or insecure. And all that's doing is just taking up space and stealing our own personal power to keep us stuck in suffering, which also feeds the beast, you know, when when we are stuck in that suffering. It's what ensures we stay focused and stuck on outside things we've been conditioned to operate off of versus looking inward and trusting our core self, our gut instincts, our unique operating model for existing because... Everyone is, in fact, different (laughs) if we didn't already know that. Plot twist. Um, But scientifically, though, this is our body's protective response. And it's been trained to sound the alarms when we put ourselves in situations it thinks that we're not going to be able to handle what's thrown at us as a result. You know, the situations being like, if we're vulnerable or if we're authentic, like, God forbid we're confident or take ownership. You know, if we take ownership over ourselves, if we take ownership over our core beings, what we actually want versus what we've been trained to want. Ooh, how risky. Like, <laughs> um, and then the hormones that are released in our brain when ACRFs are activated are meant to keep us safe from danger. It's like this, like, uh-oh, uh-oh, literally like a red flag, like, do not cross danger, like survival at risk. This protective response is being misused to instead play that hateful talk track in our heads that hold us back from getting outside our comfort zones. Whew. Can we just take that all in for a second. There's like literally a response in us that holds us back from getting outside of our comfort zones. So how do we put a halt to this hateful voice and how do we make space for up in the volume on our voice within? Well, first, we got to stop feeding the beast. It is up to you to identify the very moment that hateful talk track starts to play in your head. Personal example for me is I have this hateful talk track around canceling plans or not going out when given the opportunity. Like, If I'm not feeling well or if something like my gut instinct tells me that I like really don't want to do, even if it's as simple as preferring to stay in and hang out on my couch and binge watch TV and order dinner, um, you know, I used to get so caught up in canceling those plans because there was a hateful voice in my head that was trained to tell me that if I cancel, A, I'd either lose that person as a friend or they never hang out with me again or B, miss out on some life-changing things that happened that night, like meeting a meeting a potential significant other. Uh, so it's that voice that makes it seem like it's life or death if I don't listen to it. And it takes a lot of strength to go against what it tells me to do. I know a lot of it comes from a couple of things. One being how I've been conditioned. So, I mean, my mom, bless her, but she used to talk all about how lonely she was living in the city, all single in her 20s and 30s and Every chance that she would get to go out, she would because it could potentially change your life. Uh, And that voice in my head that was kind of fueled and taught to me when I was younger would 
feed off of my mom's experience, um, you know, kind of making me feel guilty about not going out or, or having plans. Um, another place it comes from is the toxic relationship I had with my friends at high school. Um, it was always so conditional with this group. Like I never knew if I would open up Snapchat or Instagram one day and just see this whole group hanging out without me for no apparent reason. Um, you know, or that any chance I'd have to, you know, get concrete plans that would secure my spot in the group, maybe just eliminate the chance of me being excluded from the next hangout just a little, you know, that's really what would fuel it. So the way I started to quiet this hater voice in my head is first becoming aware of it. And then when it would pop up most doing exactly the opposite of what it wants me to do or was telling me to do. So what I learned is that I actually was able to use this voice to my advantage to better understand what I do want authentically and what feels good in my core by continuously doing the opposite of what that hater voice in my head was telling me to do. And I will warn you, after you start identifying this hater voice and going against what it's telling you to do, you're going to find yourself really constantly trying to justify your decisions and that's totally okay and something that you can make space for as a sign of progress. But just know that you don't need to justify anything and that your true wants and wishes are so freaking valid simply because they're coming from you, the true you. All right, on to anti-confidence red flag number two. Yes, I just snapped my fingers both at the same time. ACRF number two. When we allow other people and all their effed up conditioning to influence our self-worth and the way that we see ourselves, and then we give them the power to do so, it's like the hater voice, but instead of coming from our own brains, <laughs> it's someone else's. And guess what? It's only a reflection of what their hater brain is saying to them on the inside. But since they're so insecure, or it's a weak spot for them, or they can't live in that space, they need to project it onto someone else. So first things first, other than this kind of stuff being the realist, only we can define our self-worth, period. You hear that? Only we can define our self-worth, period. And the way that we do that is putting less emotional weight on all of these outside influences to quite literally make space for our authentic core self to shine through instead. Here's some food for thought. It's a mantra that my OG therapist actually shared with me that really helped shift my mindset when I'd get so caught up in everybody else's perception of me other than my own. What somebody else thinks of me is none of my business. I want you to say that to yourself, literally right now. Okay, so when I realized that it's literally none of my business uh, and that I'd always be playing this guessing game in my head wondering what people were thinking of me, you know, how I was performing when I was around them, uh, it allowed me to make space for focusing on what actually is my business, which is my personal internal feelings and emotions and desires and the instincts that are true to my core self and that pursuing would ultimately be more fulfilling for me than continuing down that rabbit hole of always being concerned of other people's perceptions of me and allowing their one-off comments on my life to completely derail me so that I'd only operate from a place so far from my authentic self that I didn't know who I was anymore. Wild stuff. And you know, an example of this uh, that's actually sat with me for a bit since this happened actually has to do with one of my work besties, who we're going to call her Sally to keep her real name Anon. Uh, but Sally was on a team call, which is a very regular touch point for that whole group. Um, and my friend, she lives in a typical Brooklyn-sized apartment and stores her wine bottles above the cabinets in her kitchen uh, versus a bar cart 
or something. Uh, you know, totally a normal and acceptable thing to do, especially when you live in a shoebox of an apartment in New York. So Sally gets onto the Zoom and a special someone singles her out in front of everyone on the call saying something along the lines of, oh, wow, Sally, you must be a big binge drinker with all that wine in your apartment, especially since you live alone. Literally, she said that word for word. She literally called Sally a massive binge drinker on a team call in front of everyone that she works with. Like, what's it to that person? Who knows why Sally stores those bottles on the top of her kitchen cabinets anyway? Also, who cares why Sally stores those bottles on the top of her kitchen cabinets? Anyone who has the time in this precious life to make a comment like that is is someone who feels that way about themselves, I'd say. Period. So Sally FaceTimed me after, and she called to vent because she was so taken aback by that comment, she felt humiliated. She felt picked on, put down, called out, exploited, mislabeled, assumed, all of that. And she experienced this mixed bag of emotions from it because she couldn't help strip herself away from it. I validated her for all of the things she was feeling and shared how I would definitely feel the same way. Um, but Sally was obsessing over it and was putting all of her self-worth in the hands of that person who made the snarky comment. And naturally, she was triggered and, and needed to be pulled back into her own reality. So she would stop putting so much emotional weight on the outside, you know, the outside things, the nature of the comment uh, objectively and how it made her feel about herself in the outside world. So Sally's brain automatically went there because... Uh, interestingly enough, it's what it was conditioned to do throughout her upbringing. That's what her brain knew to do. It knew to panic when somebody went against her for or made this assumption about her that wasn't necessarily true. You know, she grew up in a house where she had to constantly please a parent figure. So she was always fixated on meeting someone else's needs and getting her worth from someone else versus her own self. But on our FaceTime, I assured her that nobody thinks she's a binge drinker. And most people don't even notice the wine bottles on the cabinet. I mean, if they did, they're they're not thinking Sally's a binge drinker unless they're a binge drinker themselves and they're like the lady who made the comment. But anywho, when I asked Sally point blank if she thinks that she's a binge drinker, she goes, no, like God, no. You know, the normal answer, like she loves a couple glasses of wine every so often. And I'm like, okay, well then it's settled. That's what matters, that you know that you're not and anyone who knows you, like knows you, knows you is not. Um, and to shift your energy towards putting emotional weight and self-worth around what you know about yourself versus what someone hypothesizes about you. And to keep reminding yourself of that. So I, I'm happy to report that Sally has now completely set boundaries around this person at work and is no longer impacted in the same way that she was before. Um, she's built a relationship with this ACRF and uh, it's literally freed her from the chains of being this person bringing her down. All right, so anti-confidence flag number three. This one is all about comparing yourself to the things that we're not. So we all struggle from this, and I'm sure many of you have heard the famous Theo Roosevelt mantra, comparison is the thief of joy. Well, comparisons comes from a very natural human instinct where we use them to determine our own social and personal worth based on how we see ourselves stack up against others. Uh, it's like a, a natural way of helping humans orient themselves into various settings to access whether or not they need to take some action to improve a performance or a standing. And that comes straight from Leon Festinger's social comparison theory. We all do this. It inherently comes with being human and being a social species, but we've been conditioned to do it and starting 
early in our upbringings because as we start to become more exposed to the outside world, you know, as we get older and we learn about all the different kinds of ways of living outside our own little ecosystem that we've only known up until this point, we actually start to misassign what looks good to us and other people as things that we must be or adopt into ourselves. The outside stuff creates these standards we think are, you know, normal to operate off of. So anything in our life we begin to compare to that standard and doesn't match it seems weird and not normal, which really just makes us feel worse about ourselves. Um, So for example, my mom can't cook for the life of her, nor is she the biggest snacker or foodie, but bless Lisa, uh, she basically burns water. So when I was little, I would go over to my friend's house for playdates. And it was so cool to me when I would stay for dinner. And my friend's moms would have this whole multi-part home-cooked meal ready for us, like pork chops and salad and mashed potatoes and all this stuff. And then we'd have dessert after and it'd be like, make your own ice cream sundaes in perfect little cups, very intentionally spread out across the table. You know, That whole thing was everything to me that I just so didn't have at my house, but I really loved so much. In my family, it always been everyone for themselves for dinner. So whether we'd eat out a lot or pick up food on the way home from after school activities, you know, never was it like a home cooked meal that felt like wholesome and nutritious and happy. So I began to take shame in not having that in my life. um, And I felt shameful around my family for not being this way, you know, feeling that. I'm not normal because we didn't do family dinners like a lot of my friends' families did. And I resented this for a long time because I was totally comparing my situation to everyone else's and was using their setup as a standard to compare mine against. And I just completely deemed my situation worse than others since it was way less common than the typical family dinner situation. Um, And I really liked the vibes of a family dinner. As I got older, I realized that's something I actually just value differently than my parents. Um, And I will indeed make an effort to incorporate this into my life when I grow up and have a family and kids of my own. So bringing it back to this ACRF, anti-confidence red flag, I believe there's a healthy approach to comparison versus, you know, the type that brings us down and keeps us so stuck on the outside and what other people are doing versus what's inside of us and inside ourselves. To me, confidence is knowing where you stand as an authentic representation of where you're at today. So whether it's our feelings, emotions, instincts, confidence is taking ownership over your vibes in the present moment. Confidence is not finding shame in the things like feeling the way you feel or looking the way you look or just being the way you are, but taking pride in knowing how you feel and knowing that you can get through whatever it is that you're going through no matter what. Even if it's negative, positive, whatever, you can get through it. I use comparing now as a way of like getting inspiration for my own operating model. Like with the family dinners, I know I like that and I'm attracted to it. So I'm choosing to incorporate it into my life as I get older. Bottom line, we can't compare our operating model to anyone else's, but we can sure get inspo from what looks good to us and what we're attracted to. So getting into today's pro tip, in your me, myself, and I note, if you don't remember what that is, or you haven't listened to the first episode, it's in the show notes, so will this pro tip, uh, I want you to jot down three ACRFs, anti-confidence red flags, that you believe exist in your life today. If there are more, feel free to make the list as long as you want. But next to each ACRF, make an arrow. So, you know, like a little dash plus right carrot where you'll write the opposite of the ACRF next to it. 
the opposite of the ACRF. That's the indicator of your own authenticity hiding behind it and what you should challenge yourself to move towards. So, you know, when my ACRF pops up around me feeling guilty for not wanting to go out when given the opportunity to, one side I write, spending time obsessing about missing out on potentially meeting a future partner since I don't feel like going out, even though I'm given the opportunity. And that could be rare sometimes. Like that's my big loaded one. The opposite would be, which I'd write on the other side of the arrow, not taking any risks by not going out because what I truly want is to stay in and rest, which will ultimately make me happier, you know, better than doing the whole going out tonight thing. So I'm challenging you to start leaning into these opposites because that is what reveals who you truly are and what you truly want. Does that make sense? So the goal with this pro tip is that you'll eventually start to notice when they appear in your everyday life and start working towards flipping them to uncover your true authenticity. I find this stuff magical and I literally wouldn't be sharing these things with you if I hadn't gone through it myself. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Confidently Me with Cece. I am wishing you great rest of your weeks, and I'm excited to meet here back again next week. Thanks for tuning in, fam. Cece over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Confidently Me with Cece podcast. Your journey doesn't end here. Check me out on the gram at Caroline Cannon and on TikTok at Confidently Cece. Feeling empowered already? Let me know your thoughts by leaving a review, five-star rating, and subscribing to the show. Here's to you and your journey. This stuff isn't always easy, but it's a long-term investment in building a relationship with yourself. You know, the person you're stuck with your entire life. (laughs) Tune in on Tuesdays for more great vibes, high energy, and especially confidence boosting. Cece, over and out.